0: Welcome to the Pat Mayo
1: Experience, presented by DraftKings 2021 Fortinet. DraftKings picks and preview. What happened to the Safeway Open? I thought it was the Fortnite (laughs) Open for a minute. I didn't know what the fuck was going on. Anyway, golf is back after a 10-day offseason. The brand new season is upon us, and everyone's favorite time to make money, the swing season. Now, this one is going to be a little bit trickier because... got some good players in the field unlike we normally see I mean we see some good players uh, at Silverado from time to time because they want to go to Napa and drink some wine it's a great family vacation or just if you leave the kids at home bring the wife with with you you know and you're like a rich golfer Napa sounds absolutely fantastic I think there's a reason that Phil plays in this tournament every single year but this field's a little bit trickier than normal I want to remind everyone to become a member at fantasynational.com right now always beneficial during the swing season when there's a lot of new players that we don't know a ton about the stats don't discriminate they can tell you who is who so fantasynational.com slash mayo gets you 20% off there is a brand new one and done tournament that starts this week it's just for the swing season so if you hit the description you can find the link or just go to fantasygolfchampionships.com you will find two separate ones that are up there I believe one is for $50 one is for $100 and just has the swing season events and the race for the mayo cup for next year is already up too and there's I think it's $500,000 of guaranteed money. It's not bad. It's $125, five max entry. You can reserve your spot now or wait until December, but it will fill like last year really quickly once January turns the calendar. So maybe just get your spot right now and figure it out. I have a listeners league. It just happens to be not for golf this week. If you want to play in the Pat Mayo Experience NFL DraftKings listeners league, I've dumped that link down in the description if you want it anyway. And I was doing a giveaway on my football show for all of you. But hey, listen, if you don't care to watch football, You only want to watch golf, but you want to get your hands on the thousand dollars that I'm giving away right now. It's actually two hundred and fifty dollars per person who wins. And there's going to be four of them to get into the draw rate review and subscribe to the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast on Apple podcast. Five star review. Make up something you like about the show. Twitter handle or email. Then you're in it. If you sub to Mayo Media Network, you also get an entry. If you subscribe to my newsletter in the description, you will get an entry to that as well. Andy Lack is back. What's going on, man?
0: Not much, man. I'm very excited to uh, to talk golf with you this week. I know. Uh, is it hard for you once you get into football mode to kind of switch back and forth? Are you like, ah, I'm, I'm super in football mode now. I'm kind of not as excited to talk golf?
1: No, it's a, it's actually the exact opposite. The The hardest golf for me to talk is post British open because I'm getting back into football full-time doing all my football research. And I just don't care about any of those golf tournaments. Uh, so and then I'm, but I'm still doing like four a week at the time. So it's like, Oh man, I'm just repeating myself. And like, I just, I, I didn't miss a tournament this year for the pga swing season through the pga season i didn't end up taking a week off for like the first time ever and it just it caught up to me by the end of the year but in football season i'm doing like seven eight football shows a week that i really enjoy talking about golf because i love golf i love DraftKings golf and it just sucks me out of the nfl vortex for a little while so i find it Awesome to talk. So I'm glad you're on for event number 1 of the 2021-2022 season. Uh, are you going to play in the new one and done or what?
0: I'm already in the fall one and I already have two entries in the one that starts in January. I had a I had a season from hell uh last year that included rom at the memorial and uh, just a bunch of terrible things so i'm very i was very excited as soon as it came out i was like i need to seek vengeance on this one and done thing
1: yeah i used rom at the byron nelson if you want to know how my <laughs>
0: Yeah, I I can't even remember who I picked at the Byron Nelson, but yeah, I'm sure it was not great as well. Yeah,
1: probably not K H Lee who ended up running away with.
0: Definitely that. not K H Lee. No. <laughs>
1: Let's talk about the course. It's Silverado for the Fortnite Championship. You can earn your skins at this course. Apparently, 7123 yards, par 72. It's on the shorter side of a par 72 so you get the full complement of par fives historically just when i went back and looked at what people do well at this course drive the ball well you don't need to be a bomber per se but you need to gain strokes off the tee and it's one of the courses with the highest percentage of wedge shots coming in between 50 and 125 yards so the field is open to everyone because it's not a super long course but if you can hit it somewhat straight and you're a bomber as long as you're making a few putts you should be good to go
0: completely agree. I think there's kind of two paths to success here that we've seen because we've seen a lot of longer guys that really have no regard for whether they're in the fairway or not uh, succeed here. We, Cameron Champ even talked about it. He was like, I'm just going to hit driver on every single hole and I have no problem wedging it out of the rough. But we've also seen guys like a Kevin Na or a Ryan Moore that just or Ches Reevy for that matter, that just hit a ton of fairways and are able to have the same amount of success As well, because even if you're not long, you're still going to have a wedge in on 50 to 75% of the holes, if not more.
1: The way that I would think about it is if you're going to take someone who is more accurate than a lofty driver off the tee, just go run the numbers on Fantasy National to see if they gain off the tee. Like Hadwin has had success here back when he was a pretty decent driver of the ball, although not long, still gained against the field off the tee. Griot, I mean, this is the spot of his only career win, his first career PGA start, and it, he gains off the tee to this day. It's not like he's a bomber by any means, but he gains against the field. So if you're going to go with the shorter hitter, you better make sure that the strokes gained off the tee numbers are huge. When I rejigged my custom model, which had not been great over the past few years, I just put more of an emphasis on strokes gained off the tee, and I didn't really care whether it was accuracy or distance that really played into it as long as that number was high.
0: I'm with you on the off to tee I'm looking at. I think, like you mentioned, you have to have one of the two, right? You're at a huge disadvantage at this course if you're either not hitting the fairways, which are very small for the most part or you're not very far up close to the green and having like a 80 yard flip wedge in um and then with in in terms of like the defenses of this course like it's basically just a resort course uh so i'm not going to call it a uh, necessarily just a putting contest but if you're looking at guys that are great off the tee have good wedges and have the ability to spike with their putter you're it's probably that simple this week
1: well let's go to the guys who are above ten thousand dollars on DraftKings we'll get to the bets at the very end of the show if you just want to skip to that or sub to the newsletter because I'll have those in there it's ROM ROM is twelve thousand one hundred dollars which is the most expensive player I've seen on DraftKings in a non like the tour championship was all messed up because guys started with different strokes but like a real real event that has a cut in it I can't remember the last time I saw someone above the $12,000 threshold. I've seen guys at 12,000, but not above it. And that's where Rom is. Probably cuz he's 3 to 1 to win this event. I guess my question to you is, the player that we just talked about who succeeds here is John Rom. How do you not use John Rom?
0: I here's why I don't think here's why I'm not using John Rom. So, I actually think that there's a lot of merit in fading elite players in bad fields on easy courses, because I think that the ball striking advantage that John Rahm has over all of the players in this field that actually gets accentuated at a long and difficult course like Torrey Pines, but it gets mitigated at a short and easy course like Silverado. Like the difference between John Rahm's three iron and Brendan Todd's three iron is vast, but the difference between John Rom's wedges and Brendan Todd's wedges are not as much as you would think so i do think that he loses a lot of his advantage because every player in this field is going to have a wedge in their hands i would describe it this way like i'm a pretty decent golfer based on my handicap i would probably shoot somewhere in the high 70s or low 80s at silverado and john rom would probably shoot on average like a 65 or a 66 but if me and john rom played a match at Torrey pines He would shoot 70 on average, and I would shoot 100. So I just think that his advantage is so much greater on a much more difficult course. Difficult courses weed out better players, whereas the playing field becomes a little bit more level on an easier course. So if you get him at the sky-high price and sky-high ownership, I'm going to fade him.
1: I'm curious about how owned he is going to be. I think it's going to be high, obviously, but because of that price point and trying to mix together the rest of your lineup, I don't know how many people are going to be familiar enough with the names at the very bottom with this being all the corn fairy graduates are now here. There's a bunch of names. I, I had to go look up like, is it that guy or that guy? Which guy is which that is coming out from the tour below that? I think people might end up fading him because you, it's not like you can really afford anyone else. If you're going to end up taking John Rom. I guess I agree with you in your assessment of good players. Players at easier courses the counter i would make to that is most of them don't set up as well for the particular skill set that a player has and very rarely do you see this quality of player playing this well coming into one of these events that if if rom is just on his game at all he's going to Uh. absolutely torch these guys now if it was like dustin coming in who's not playing the greatest golf he's not playing bad golf but he's not playing great golf i think that i could get more behind that but with Rom right now, like he's like, what's his worst finish over the past three months? Like sixth.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's something like that, and that is the thing. It's it's very ownership dependent, and and I don't. It's too early in the week. I don't know if we have any ownership guesses yet. I haven't really looked at anything, but my initial lean was that people would still go to him a ton. If people aren't going to him a ton, I didn't even know that either. I saw it. the price looked astronomical to me, but I didn't know it was relative that high based on what we've seen in the past. Um, you're right. That may mean that people kind of go off him a little bit uh, more than I would have expected, um, but there actually are some some guys a little bit farther down that I do have some interest in.
1: Is it Brennan Steele?
0: No, I'm talking about farther down in the 10s.
1: Okay, so I want to remind everyone: if you're a big fan of fantasynational.com and you're playing DraftKings NFL or betting on the NFL, check out runthesims.com. Runthesims.com/slash/mayo will get you the discount. Slash mayo gets you a discount at like a lot of places, but it does at runthesims.com as well. Optimizer single game simulations of up to ten thousand times. If you're playing props for players individually or want to see a two v two, three v three, four v four v four on DraftKings. If I, hey, if I take these four guys or these four guys along with my stack who end up doing better in terms of their ceiling projection it's pretty awesome so run the sims.com slash mayo go check that out right now all right and play in the listeners league link as well let's talk about the rest of the 10k guys who is it that you really like is it will zalatoris is it kevin nah who i mean accuracy and wedges and putting that that's the kevin nah formula
0: yeah, I actually, I do like Zelators and I do like Kevin Knott. I like Webb the most, actually, believe it or not. And it's kind of funny because I think the last time we did a show, I was clamoring for Webb as well. And I think it was at the Rocket Mortgage and he missed the cut. But the reason why I like Webb, um, he, I actually think that this is a good course for him, despite him not being very long like he's great with his wedges um, still so I think the uh, he kind of is able to make up for his lack of length by the fact that he is such a good wedge player and he's still going to this course is short enough that he's still going to have um, a ton of wedges on nearly every hole and if you want to I mean this is more of an unquantifiable angle but you know the Billy Horschel Feel slighted after the Ryder Cup and plays out of his mind. Of course, you could take this angle with Kevin Na as well. I don't know if Webb has the same type of dog in him as Billy Horschel, but I have to imagine that he was kind of right on the chopping block and maybe got a call from Stricker. So maybe that's another angle you'd like to take with Webb. It's like you have to question like Webb picks his spots at this point. Uh, So if it's not a major, something like that, I do believe that this is a course that he feels at least he can really compete in. And that's the only reason why he's playing. So I like Webb and especially in DraftKings, like definitely not 14 to one in the betting market, but he would be the guy that I would expect people would go to the least. I could be wrong about that, but he's somebody that would like, especially when you factor in my guesses of what ownership might be.
1: I would probably agree with you that he'll be the lowest owned of these guys. I just don't have a ton of interest in him right now. I wish he was playing better. The Irons have come back a little bit, but his driving is bad. It's not even It's not even that he's short and it's bad. It's short and he's not hitting fairways, which is bad, which will put him behind the eight ball here. That Those are the types of players that I just don't want to go. And look, it's Webb. He could definitely show up and be you know, vintage Webb, be awesome, and run away with this because he makes every single putt. Just not for me this week. I think it's honestly going to be ROM, and I'm not playing any of the other 10 games. Hey guys, I just rather have ROM.
0: That's fair. Actually, Pat, I was just thinking last time on uh, last time when I was looking at the comments of last time we did a show, everyone was like, I wish you disagreed with Pat. Not everyone, one person. Why, one why, person question, was
1: like, why are you looking at the comments and why are you bringing up the comments? Don't do these. That is a terrible idea to get into. It's a bad idea. I
0: was, I was speaking, I was, I was speaking to the fact that us disagreeing more, I think, is a good thing.
1: Of course it is. We're doing but a, yes. we're, we're doing a show. Everyone knows that, Andy. Come on. You even if you agree with me, you're supposed to disagree with me. That's the move of these shows.
0: Correct, but I'm saying the first time that I came on with you, it was a little before I got the dynamic with you down, I felt a little bit more hesitant. Disagreeing with you than I do now after doing a couple shows with you. That's all I was speaking well, to.
1: Well, we're good. We're comfortable now. We're in a flow together outside <laughs> of Web. If you're using Web, you could afford another 10K guy if you wanted to. Would you pair him up with another 10K guy? Like, would you play Kevin now with him? Would you play a Hideki or or even Will Zalatoris coming off his Rookie of the Year award?
0: So I think. It would be Zalatoris and Na. I'm not a huge fan of Hideki here, but I I like Kevin Na here. As much as I hated the idea of Kevin Na on the Ryder Cup team, um, so everyone who follows me on Twitter probably thinks I just hate the guy, but I actually think he makes a ton of sense here. His odds are way too low, obviously, but I actually think he makes some sense in DraftKings. It's just a good course for him. He's so much better on shorter and easier courses, and he's kind of on a heater right now. The, The concern would be kind of what you brought up at the beginning with the driving. That's still what he's bad at. Despite playing so well right now, the driving is still very poor, but he's actually been able to accumulate some really strong finishes because usually it's just the putter with him, but the irons have actually been really great with him as well. And then with Zalatoris, I think I like him. I'm still trying to decide on Zalotaurus. The issue that I have with Zalotaurus is that I think I really do prefer him on longer and more difficult courses because relative to the field, at least he's a much better long iron player than he is a wedge player. So from 75 to 125, he's he's not great at all. So he might be a better fit on a uh, longer and more difficult course.
1: All right, let's jump down to the nines. And we got some names up here. Not One's I'm super interested in Leishman has a third here that was two years ago. So you have Tringali, Leishman, C, woo. You know I'm betting C woot fifty to one. Come on now in a field like this, Sebastian Munoz, Harold Werner the third is ninety one hundred champ. The champ is here. He he won this event two years ago out of nowhere when he had one of those spike putting weeks. I can't for the life of me figure out if I want to use anyone from the nines. Maybe Griot, maybe maybe Champ.
0: Yeah, it's the. Uh, <laughs> what do you think about uh, Varner? Pass. Okay. I like Varner this week. Yeah, you, I don't know if I'll you, be- you
1: like Varner this week. Do you like $9,100 Varner? Uh,
0: no. I I have to see what the ownership is, and I haven't... Here's why I would like Varner. He First of all, he's... He, the problem with Varner is... Uh, When you think it's going to be a Varner week, it's definitely not a Varner week. And then when you least expect it, he'll come up with a very nice T11 for you. Um, I don't know if this is going to be a Varner week. He makes a ton of sense to me on paper when I was doing my research. Like, he's hitting the ball great right now. Um, He just finished top 15 in back-to-back playoff events um but i don't know he is overpriced so i don't know whether or not people are going to gravitate to him i think he makes enough sense on paper that i would pay up for him if the ownership is low but if he's 9100 and everyone's still going to him then yes that's definitely a pass
1: i like i said champ maybe just because not only is he won here in the past but i know that he can drive the ball pretty well when he starts to get going and that's really it. Like all of these guys in the nines are bad drivers. Like Siwoo can be a good driver from time to time. Werner can be a good driver from time to time. We just haven't seen it in a while.
0: Yeah, Munoz too can be a good driver of uh, at times and he's pretty good on, on birdie fest and he's plenty long off the tee, decent wedge player. So I think Munoz would be the only other guy that I have interest in. But once you get down into the eights, like there are a lot more players that I probably am going to end up gravitating to more.
1: All right, the nines. Yeah, Munoz I can see because I do like him at these events. We know how hot the putter can get and he does hit himself a nice gap wedge from time to time. Healthy snacks have a bad reputation, and let's be honest, most don't taste very good. They don't fill you up, and they certainly don't satisfy your cravings. This episode is sponsored by Monk Pack, who makes snacks that taste like our favorite sugary treats, but with one gram of sugar or less. They're great for anyone following a keto lifestyle and the perfect snack for anyone who's just trying to eat better or cut back on sugar and carbs without sacrificing taste. That would be me. That's what I'm doing. I'm not on keto, but these bars are delicious. The Monk Pack Keto Nut and Seed Bars, whether they come in sea salt, dark chocolate, caramel sea salt, peanut butter, dark chocolate, I went through them really quickly, put it that way. I needed to get a second order ASAP, and you can do that and try it for yourself, and you'll see. And we have a special deal for the listeners. Get 20% off your first purchase of any Monk Pack product by visiting... Monkpack.com and entering our promo code MAYO at checkout. And Monkpack is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. So if you don't like it, for whatever reason, they'll exchange the product or refund your money, whichever you prefer. To get started, go to monkpack.com. That's M U N K P A C K.com and select any product. Then, enter the code MAYO. That's M A Y O at checkout to save your 20% off your purchase. Monkpack. Delicious, nutritious food you can count on. And we thank them for sponsoring this podcast. 8. Certainly. $1,000 range. Grio Kicks it off at $8,900, as I mentioned. 2014, the site of his only win. So, you got Griot, Hoffman, and Homa. I like all three of those guys. McNeely, Reevee, Todd. All kind of fit in the same bucket, although McNeely's just so over the map. Snedeker, bombs Phil, Mito, Taylor Gooch. Mito and Taylor Gooch, I just assume, are going to be in everyone's lineup because everyone loves playing those guys.
0: Yes, I... The Mito thing just... Perusing Twitter this morning. I was just talking to my buddy about this. It is the Mito thing is is a little wild to me. I tweeted out this morning as a joke. Explain Mito Pereira to me like I'm five years old. Uh he he's played in five PGA tour events and he finished top 10 at the 3M open and an alternate field event. And he missed two more cuts in easy fields. Everything got worse for him across the board recently at the Wyndham. He lost 2.9 strokes, ball striking. The short game got worse. The putting got worse. So I'm ruthlessly comfortable missing on that guy. If he wins in a six PGA tour event, good on you if you bet him, but I probably can't get there. I like Chaz a lot, man. <laughs> at, at 8,500 would be kind of the guy that I like the most in that range. And as much as I've loved Gooch uh, over the years, I, I'm probably not playing him this week.
1: I get the Mito stuff. It's the, it's the high finishes that if he does put it all together and have a decent putting week, he can be up there towards the end. The price is not prohibitive this week. Like Revi, if he was 7,100, I would be in. He's not. He's you know, almost $2,000 more than that. That's my problem with a lot of these guys in the upper eights, mid eights, low eights, and even the nines is that they're not totally dissimilar from the guys in the sevens at this point. So that's why that's why I think I'm comfortable with playing ROM, is that I can play ROM and then pair them up with one of these high eights guys and just drop into the sixes and sevens, because I don't see a discernible difference between a lot of the talent. Like for me, if I'm th- looking at talent, and that's why what I want to go with for this week, like I think it's pretty stark that the first three guys I mentioned from this range, like Griot, I could probably give or take, because will he make enough putts? Maybe, but he's still playing well enough that I can do it. Almost like Pereira, where he had a bit of a downturn at the Wyndham, Chuck Hoffman's, like, last few starts haven't been great, but he is, like, perfectly suited for this course. you think that he would have a nice go at it here. And then Max Homa, you're either going to get good Max or bad Max, but at least we're in California.
0: Yeah, I, I I had kind of ran into the same problem with Hoffman where he rated out so well for me. He was like right there behind Rom, but I just, I don't know if he's on the wrong side of a bad run. Like I don't love the way things are trending with him. Ball striking at the BMW is like the worst he's hit the ball in months, but he does he does tend to rebound nicely from poor, poor approach week. So maybe, but kind of, as you mentioned, there are a lot of guys in the sevens like I'd rather like I'd rather play Doug Gim than Mito Pereira at the same price
1: yeah you, you always want to play the better player especially when they're cheaper (laughs)
0: <laughs> what that's what mean? I okay. So 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 that's what I was saying with with the Mito thing. Is it's like Doug Gim's the same price and double the odds as Mito. Like everyone's going crazy over Mito. Like are we sure Mito's better at golf than Doug Gim? They're the same age, but Gim's been competing on the PGA Tour for like a year. He won the Ben Hogan Award and played in the final group at the Players. Why is Mito now better than Doug Gim? Doug Gim's great.
1: I think it's more of enough people have played Gim over the last year, uh, probably my doing in a lot of senses, that they've had enough money on him to see it go like so horribly wrong when he's playing well. At least there's sort of a thing with Mito at this point where if he's ball striking it well, they feel like his putter isn't always going to sink him like it seems to with gim i think that's the reason like people have lost enough with gim they want to go on to someone else and mito if you have played him since he came to the pga tour and even the olympics like most of the time he's been a steal for you at his price point
0: that makes a lot of sense um What's interesting to me about Gim though, is have you looked at kind of how things are trending for him a little bit with the off the tee stuff? It's weird because the irons, he kind of lost the irons for a little bit now and has just turned into like this awesome guy off the tee. But the reason I would play Gim is yes, the irons have been bad the past couple of weeks, but they're actually getting better and he's starting to putt a little bit better and the off the tee, he like totally seems to have found it. So I bet Doug Gim at 90 to one, Um, I'm going to use him a lot. I really like Doug Gim this week.
1: I also bet Doug Gim 90 to 1, because it's me, and I'm going to be playing a ton of Doug Gim. Over the past 12 (laughs) rounds, he is second in this field in strokes gained approach. That's ahead of John Rahm. The one thing that I will throw at you with Charlie Hoff and why I'm not too concerned about it is... He's in the FedEx Cup playoffs playing against very stacked fields because it's a lot easier to gain strokes at the Valero against that field than it is against the BMW against the 70 best players in the world. So that's the reason that Chuck Hoffman is not elite kind of thing, but he's really good in these type of fields.
0: I agree. That was actually kind of my argument a little bit for Varner is that this guy's in these really good fields. This guy's like gaining a ton with ball striking. So I agree. There's some kind of interesting things that happened at the BMW with some of these guys like Maverick McNeely was another one of those guys where he looked pretty bad at the BMW and lost a bunch of strokes on approach. But it's like, how much do you want to read into that when Mav McNeely is now going back to a course where he's a lot better um, of a player to the majority of the field, comparatively speaking.
1: I didn't look it up, but is he gaining or losing? Or, sorry, are these big or small greens at this course?
0: Uh, they're on the larger side, okay. but Okay, not so like I'm,
1: I'm off Maverick McNeely. I need
0: small greens okay.
1: for Maverick McNeely. That is absolutely his jam when you go look at his results. So no McNeely. It'll be Hoffman and Homa for me in the 8Ks, and maybe Griot. I'm going to wait and see on him. And that will be it for me in the 8Ks. 7Ks, Doug Gim, who you mentioned, all in. That seems like an easy one to me.
0: Yep. All in on Doug Gim. And then there's another guy that's right there at 7,900 that I also love. And that is Pat Perez. Pat Perez is playing very well right now, four top 20s in his last six starts, like we kind of just alluded to. He gained 5.7 on approach at the Northern Trust. That's pretty impressive. And he's kind of sniffing around right now. He loves these easy resort courses and he always plays well in the fall series for whatever that's worth. So I love Pat Perez. He was another guy that I ended up betting. I found him at like 90, 95 to one, I think. So Pat Perez and Doug Gim at the top are are primarily featured in, in a lot of my lineups.
1: I could see Doug Gim. I am looking $100 and $200 cheaper to Hadwin and Charles Howell third. Howell hasn't played since the 3M, but this is sort of a course where he will do really well. It's on the West Coast. Always a big tip in the feather in the cap for Charles Howell third. He was driving it well. He was hitting his irons well. He's done well with this course before. And it feels like, just no one wants me. I mean, Stuart Sink did just win this event a year ago. It wouldn't be, like, shocking to see Charles Howell third come out of nowhere and just play his normal game but make a few more putts than usual and just be back up there.
0: Oh, 100%. Yeah, I am playing Charles Howell, too. He finished fourth here also in his last appearance. He's sneaky longer off the tee than you would think, and he's a pretty accurate driver of the ball as well. So I really do think that you can pick this course apart with your driver and he's just hitting the ball really well lately like you said i don't know why he hasn't played since the 3m open but last time he played he gained 4.3 strokes ball striking and was pretty great so i'm with you on howell if we go down a little bit farther the guy that i like the most is and i know this is kind of one of your favorites too i love fratelli here why okay i'll because okay so what does dylan fratelli do really well He's long off the tee, and he has great wedges. And he's not going to pop statistically for you uh, because he just hasn't been consistent enough. But keep in mind also that we don't have stats from the fact that he finished fifth at the British Open. So it's not like he's totally lost. You can't kind of sleep your way into a top five at the British Open. He just has two very specific skill sets that I think are perfect for Silverado and clearly because he's finished 25th and 7th here in two appearances, but he's really long off the team. He's a really good wedge player. Pat, there are only two players in this entire field that are top 40 in driving distance and every proximity distance between 75 and 150 yards over their last 36 rounds. It's Charlie Hoffman and Dylan Fratelli.
1: Yeah, but he's so close and pricing to Taylor Pendriths, who who is a mortal lock this (laughs) week, that I just don't know if I can get there.
0: And you make the case for Pendrith, because I struggle a lot with, and this is kind of the same thing I have with Mito just a little bit, where it's like, when I don't have, I'm so reliant on the data with a lot of these guys, where if I don't have a ton of rounds and a ton of data, I like freak out and I get scared. Like I try to do the thing of like, oh, I'm going to be super early on Austin Eckroat because I heard that he's amazing. And it's just, it always backfires in my face.
1: Pendrith might be the best driver in this field. It's like him or Rom or Champ. Like those are the three guys that you should be looking at this week if we're really focusing in on off the tee. His irons are not great, but he can be a really good putter. So if you're going to have someone who could gain, like I think the last time I was at... Barbasol was the last time he played on the PGA tour 7.8 7. 7. strokes gained <laughs> off the tee at the U S open this year in a miscut. He gained 3.4 strokes off the tee in a 23rd at the U S open the year before 4.3 strokes off the tee. This is translated on the corn Ferry tour. The rest of his game isn't great, but he is awesome off the tee. And unlike most absolute bombers, he is not absolute dog shit on the greens. He's actually pretty good on the greens when you look at his overall sample from the Corn Ferry and throughout the course of his career. I just think that sets up really well for someone this week who has pretty lofty finishes. Like, I bet him to win because it's me, but I think he's a much better DraftKings play than a bet.
0: Okay, yes, that makes sense to me. Looking at 7.8 off the tee, I only have eight, 18 rounds of data on him over the past year, but he seems to be very long and really good on par fives as well. So on paper, this seems like a pretty good fit for him. The only other guy I'll throw out there is like anytime, and, and Fantasy National is great with these uh, like average strokes gained per round and easy scoring conditions. Anytime it's a birdie fest and I'm looking at scoring sets, uh, stats, Patton Kazire just pops everywhere for me.
1: It's not in Texas, so that's a real drawback <laughs> for him this week. I do have a pure fade for you if, if there's someone like you want to play head-to-heads against. Just don't play because I've had enough money on this guy, and he's really good. So you're going to get him against like good players and head-to-heads, but if there's one thing he can't do, it's drive the ball, and it's Lucas Herbert. The guy sucks off the tee.
0: Okay. I'm out. I was already out on Lucas Herbert. All these, what do you, Kira dash Aaron Rye, like any of these, Sahith Tigala, they're all kind of bunched together in the low sevens. I'm not sure if people totally know what to do with them, myself included.
1: Tigala's interesting solely because like, what was the last event he played? Like he had a nice little run. He was 14th here last year. I uh, know He's been bad basically since then though. I don't know what to make of him. Probably a pass for me on him. The guy I was really interested in was Taylor Moore at $7,700. Like his recent form coming in, like he was on a heater to end the Corn Fairy season. Fifth, seventh, first, second, miscut, and tenth and tenth in the playoffs. That got him on tour. Like He had a bunch of top tens. He was probably the most consistent player on the Corn Fairy tour last year. He's only 7700 bucks, and no one is going to play him because no one knows who he is.
0: Yeah, that that makes a ton of sense to me. That's what I think is so interesting. When this field first came out, it's like so many of these guys, I don't know if anyone knows what to do with. And I kind of always go back and forth on these weeks as well, where it's like part of me thinks that Guys like me and you have a big advantage this week because there are so many guys that are playing DraftKings that don't really know any of these players and they're just going to click, like, oh, Phil's in the field. Like, let me play Phil Mickelson. But at the same time, like, I also do feel like the only people that are playing DraftKings this week are people that love golf and know a ton about golf. So I can't really decide whether it's going to be easier or harder for us this week. Um, but I'm kind of like, I am kind of don't, Not sure what I want to do with some of these Corn ferry Tour guys, and I'm really interested to see what the ownership projections come in at um, with a bunch of those guys as well.
1: I feel like ownership projections will lie to you this week solely because more people will play than maybe you're giving them credit for because they have NFL money on Like, oh, I want to get on some PGA right now. I checked out Pat's cheat sheet on DraftKings. I don't know who that guy is, but I'll play Charles Howell. I know who that is. So that's going to be a factor. And I think the advantage on, and if you just look on Fantasy National, the players who are quote-unquote sleepers, they're going to project based on what is going on on Fantasy National and the type of people that use Fantasy National, they'll play Tyler or Taylor Moore. They'll play Pendrith. But, you know, the public isn't going to do that because they don't know who any of these guys are. So projection systems that they don't factor in people using stats versus not people not using stats, then you're going to have a few more issues. I think the biggest advantage in the swing season comes in like three, four weeks time. Once we have a bit of a sample on some of these guys and then all of a sudden it's like, okay, then we can run PGA stats for all of them in these weaker fields and find some guys who maybe just weren't making putts in the California course, but hey, now we got them at Sanderson Farms or in Vegas and then we can jump on them. I think that is where it all rests in terms of an advantage for us in the swing season about knowing who these players are.
0: Yeah, I think so too, which is why I'm kind of comfortable taking a wait and see approach. And if one of these guys is awesome in one of their first PGA tour events ever, then I'll probably, I'm probably comfortable losing on these guys. I'm going to gravitate more towards guys that I have a little bit more data on and are a little bit more proven Uh, for me, kind of like looking down into the, once you get down into the lower sevens, like. I like Luke List. I like Patrick Rogers. <laughs> like those are guys that I have a ton of interest in here. And I probably feel more comfortable than kind of shooting up to like a Sahith or something like that.
1: Yeah. I think I would just hang out in the bottoms like Pendrith. I'm most definitely using. I'll take another Canadian too. I'll use Adam Svensson who just won on the corn mm. fairy tour. Like he, w- he wasn't bad in his first go around on the PGA tour either. He's had a very good season. And in my custom model, over the past 12 rounds, so very short sample. I mean, it's obviously drawing stats from him from way back, but he's second in the modeling. It's ridiculous that our sizes change brand to brand when our bodies stay the same. You're a measurement, not a size. You don't have to change, shopping for clothes does. And that's why you gotta check out Public Rec. They make elevated athleisure wear in multi dimensional sizes because they believe that comfort starts with a better fit. I got my pair, which was the all day, everyday pant, available in over 40 different sizing combinations and can fit men anywhere from 5'8 to nearly seven feet tall. I am more on the 5'8 side than the seven feet tall. I got my pair, I put them on. I'm actually like dropping some LBs lately, still fit perfectly and that's all i've ever wanted i don't need to have eight separate sizes of pants because these pants from public rec fit perfectly no matter what a better fit is the secret to making these comfortable pants look good which you know i pull off famously now your favorite lounge pants can also be your go-tos for work happy hour or the gym i'm the guy who's now wearing those out into the world and you know what people say these pants look really good mayo and i'm like yeah They do. But even if they weren't on me, they'd probably look good on you. At Public Rec. Colors, they come in nine different colors. One for each day of the week and more. Public Rec also makes elevated shorts, t-shirts, polos, jackets, even golf gear, which I'm going to get some of very soon. You know, when golf season, where I'm at, wraps itself back around. They just launched their women's line, so now anyone listening can enjoy Public Rec's better-fitting comfort. Public Rec rarely discounts, but right now they have an exclusive offer just for Pat Mayo experienced listeners. Go to publicrec.com and use promo code MAYO to receive 10% off. That's publicrec.com and use our promo code MAYO for 10% off.
0: Wow. Okay. Adam Svensson. Yeah. He, uh, he is not somebody that I know a ton about is Adam Svensson. (laughs) (laughs) So he's he's, he's Canadian.
1: He's Canadian. He won one of the playoff events on the PGA tour. And before he lost his card two years ago, he was an incredible driver of the ball and he would show up with his irons every now and then, and hopefully he could get it a hot enough. But all these Canadian guys are like exactly the same, except for Hadwin. Like when you go look at their numbers
0: is Nick Taylor Canadian or am I imagining that
1: no, he is also Canadian?
0: I like Nick Taylor. I'll play Nick Taylor. He's, he, he's okay. Nick Taylor only when came on POA in California, he's kind of sneaky coming is, around that, that with is his not irons.
1: true. He has two wins on the PGA tour.
0: Sanderson farms. You're right. Sanderson farms. Good call. So yes, he, but he has one at, at pebble. Um, the irons are kind of coming around. Gained on approach the last couple of starts. Yeah, he he can get super hot with the putter. Um, I don't really trust him a ton, but once you start getting down into here, it gets... It gets a little funky with some of these guys. Well,
1: Swafford's really the interesting one because he was crushing it off the tee and his approaches until the very last start when he finally ran out of gas a little bit. But that was against a much tougher field because he was actually making a run into the playoffs. And it's been, fuck, what, like, for a lot of these guys, it's been a month off unless they were playing corn Ferry. For the actual PGA guys, it was probably the first leg of the FedEx Cup playoffs, or they finished slightly out of it but kept their cards, so... I don't mind Swafford here if he can continue what he had going for like the six weeks previous to the BMW.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't mind Swafford either. He really kind of like spiked a ton with the irons there for a little bit. Um I would I think I'd still rather do Rogers though, because why? I think
1: why okay. What you said about Mito, sell me on Patrick Rogers, because it's been six years and he fucking sucks
0: okay here's what i like about patrick rogers he's played really well at this course in the past and i know he's from indiana but he went to stanford and for whatever it's worth he's really great in california specifically on poa greens he gained six strokes putting and finished 31st at the us open at torrey pines on poa finished 12th at riviera this year so maybe he's comfortable in this area he's played well at pebble beach before and this specific course I think is good for him because he falls into that category that we were talking about where he's really long off the tee and he does well off the tee and he can also make a ton of birdies and the irons are actually really solid for him right now and I actually think that he has a ton of upside with his putter it's volatile of course but he's not one of those guys that isn't capable of gaining over six strokes putting in fact he just did it at the U.S. Open on POA Uh, so I think it's worth the gamble on Patrick Rogers I bet him at 190 to one
1: uh, let's see here we got some qualifiers for the fortnite championship oh Justin suh is in the field my guy all right so I'm gonna play in him uh Christoph Ventura qualified Michael Kim and Josh McCarthy. The field of 156 is now set. Thanks, Paul, for shooting that over to me. Paul, on top of the real time, not only switching the cameras and doing the audio, monitoring Twitter for qualifier results for us. Sue doesn't have a price yet, but you always know how I like Justin So Patrick Rogers blows, by the way. Uh, so don't use him, would be my advice. Play him at hard, long courses. That's it.
0: We will see. We will see. We don't need to we see. Will see.
1: He'll finish like T47. That That's... He just go back and look at his past four starts of this course. 46th, 44th, 25th, 43rd. And he gained, what, an average of two and a half strokes putting in each of those? Come on.
0: Loser. He's long. Okay. All right. We'll see. You play Justin Sud, and I'll play Patrick Rogers, and we'll see what happens.
1: Well, how much is Patrick Rodgers?
0: He's 7,000? I thought Sud was... Did Sud just get in, in into the field?
1: Yeah, he just qualified. So he'll be like 6,200 or something.
0: Okay, all right. You play Svens, you play Svenson, and I'll play Patrick Rogers, and you and know, we'll see what
1: I, I'll do that, or I'll even give you Grayson Sig instead. I like Grayson Sig; he's good.
0: I, I like Grayson Sig. I want to take on Svensson, not Sig. I all like Grayson. All right, Sig.
1: I will take Svenson. You take Patrick Rogers, and I'll win.
0: Okay, deal.
1: Uh, you playing Q on Scott Piercy?
0: Nope, I'm not. Uh, th- these guys. What about Hadley? I I took a look at no.
1: No, not for me. No Kucher. Pass on that as well. I'll play the news chat.
0: Okay, you want to know what's interesting, Pat? Who? Who's uh? So I'm looking at all these guys with I have their uh, DraftKings pricing and their odds from DraftKings Sportsbook kind of right up next to each other. And all of these guys in the 7,000s, in the very low 7,000s, like Rogers and Alex Smalley and Hadley and Kucher, they're all like 150 to one plus. And then Chad Ramey is 7,070 to one.
1: I don't know why Ramey is that high. Maybe I missed it when I was looking him up. Let's see. He's been on a nice run. Yeah, I mean, he won the he won the live and work in Maine Open on the Corn Ferry Tour pretty recently. But his run through everything was his past since that win. So he won eleventh, nineteenth, fifty eighth, fourth, seventh, eighteenth, and eleventh through the Corn Ferry playoffs. So they're just taking recent form into account on this.
0: Okay. All right. That make I, I always find that stuff interesting when there's like a giant discrepancy between the odds and the DraftKings pricing, but I don't, I'm not really familiar with, with Chad Ramey's body of work. So it's probably, probably no for me, there's some guys in the sixes that um, I probably will use that I have some interest in.
1: Would you go to Bramlett after the success he had in the Corn Fairy playoffs?
0: Um, yeah, I think I would. And I think he fits this course pretty well, considering he is very long off the tee as well. Um, it's The putting can be a huge issue with him. But I think on paper, he fits this course profile well.
1: I'm torn on him because he is very long off the tee, but he's not very good off the tee most of the time. When he is actually driving it well, he gains like five, six strokes off the tee. But the most of the time... He's really bad off the tee and loses like four strokes. So like he, It's to his detriment that he hits it so long a lot of the time. So I don't know where, obviously he's coming off a win on the Corn Fairy Tour. So maybe he's in a good headspace right now. Or maybe he's like, hey, I got my card. This is great. I don't need to start the season off like scorching. Maybe it rolls through. Maybe it doesn't. Like I just, a lot like Varner in that way too. Like he loses off the tee so much that you have to hope it's the right week where he has everything clicking or he's just a pure miscut.
0: Yes. I, it's once, like, once you get down here, it's like, I don't know. I, I think with, uh I think with Bramlett too, as you mentioned, the volatility is, it's just, it's a lot with him and especially with the putter. like, and you're not getting the high end kind of upside that you would like to see that I did mention with Patrick Rogers, where it's like, it's possible where he can gain over six strokes putting. I don't even know if Bramlett has that in his bag right now. I, Looking back, he hasn't gained over three strokes putting in like over a year. Um, so that would be kind of my issue with Bram. What about, um, you have any interest in Cam Percy? Nope.
1: Maybe first round leader, because that's usually what when I, whenever I have money on Cam Percy, it says first round leader. And if he's not like $6,300, just don't, don't do it to yourself. Trust me, I've done it.
0: Okay. All right. I'm sure he
1: rates out great in ball striking. He does for every event. Sure does. Yeah, always. There's there's not an event where he doesn't strike the ball well.
0: <laughs> yeah, number three player in this field from 100 to 150 yards. Can't sell you?
1: No. Like, I, I've been down that road way too many times. I know how this goes. Bet him his first-round leader, and that be the end of it.
0: Okay, what about um, Stanley? Stanley I can see,
1: but I'm a sucker, so I can get into that a little bit. How much is Stanley?
0: 67.
1: Oh, so we're into the sixes. So you're just jumping into the sixes?
0: Yeah, we're jumping into the sixes, apparently.
1: See, see, see now you've, you've already ruined my time codes. Now now I don't know what to time code this for. 41.
0: Talk, talk about getting too comfortable too quickly.
1: Yeah, seriously. You're taking over as host of the show. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I like Haggy. I like Mullenix. Give me the guys that gain off the tee and can bomb it out here. Haggy had a nice run at the Amex. In the places where he pops up, he ends up doing really well. It depends on his putter that week. Stanley, I can see. I just, I have zero faith. Maybe that's why I won't play. You know what? I won't play Grio. I'll play Stanley. I'm pretty sure they're the same guy, except one of the guys is $3,000 less.
0: Yes. Stanley, I mean, he might actually be the worst putter on the PGA Tour right now. Um, he. I think it can only go up.
1: Let's see the worst. So, the worst putter. Actually, he's second worst. Homa is third worst. Man, I have so what many. You, I have how so, how I have many? So many stars next to guys who are at the bottom of this list. Not shocking. How, Kevin how Stadler is, t- is t- the worst.
0: Okay. All right. That makes sense. Yeah. But what's crazy about Stanley? Like I'm looking at um, last 36 right now, and he's he's the only guy in this entire field who's top 10 in approach and off the tee over his last 36 rounds, which is just mind-boggling. Like not even John Rom, whose irons have fallen off a little bit. I guess it. It's crazy. And the thing with Kyle Stanley too is this happens about twice a year, but when he gains strokes putting. He tends to gain a decent amount. It just happens twice a year.
1: I, I I'll have to look this up and I feel like it's always on bent grass in my mind. It's he's always, whenever he has those spike putting weeks, it's always on bent.
0: Well, he's good. At, he's good on the West coast. though. has he's won at, um, he's good. And he's been good in Phoenix and good at Torrey though. Right. Yeah. I'm not looking at it in front of me either, but I, that's see. just my memory.
1: Now, let's see. He lost five strokes. He. I mean, it's just all ball striking. He lost. He was 36 in Phoenix last year. Lost five strokes putting. Lost nine at the Players. Players is another course where he's actually played well in the past. Dunked a whole bunch in the water. The last time he gained strokes putting was at the Valspar in May. <laughs> and he gained at the Genesis. And this isn't pure POA either. It's POA with a right. bent mix. It's not like the Southern California Um greens are just a little bit different so just looking at pure poa might not help all that much but yeah he gained in two events last year off on the greens it's not bad the year before that one two two maybe we should just stop playing this guy that could be a thing
0: (sighs) that's probably that's probably a good idea yeah i just like it's i always come back to it's just like imagine if he putts well. Yeah, but but I I fall
1: into this trap too about like the ben Ans and the luke List and all these guys, man, if they just putt well, they're going to do pretty well. We have a large enough sample that he can't putt. Like he just can't. Like if we're going (laughs) to trust data and we do know that putting is volatile and this could happen, it still doesn't seem worth it at this point because most of the time you're just sinking all your money away for a guy who's going to miss the cut because he can't make a three foot putt.
0: Okay. Yeah. That's, that's the thing with Stanley. I think you're right about the data. I get suckered into these guys so easily when I look at the ball striking stuff, but it's, it's tough on Stanley to make a case. I I guess the putting could you want to say that the putting can only go up, but I don't even say that with a lot of confidence. So he, I, in this range, like, like I said, I probably have less guys than you do because I'm not playing Rom. Um, so I have, like, a, am t- able to, like, kind of do a more balanced spell than have to go kind of diving down here. But there are a couple more guys that I actually like.
1: So I like Lee Hodges just every time that I see him in events, whether it's these alternate events, whether it's court and Ferry events, he tends to... <laughs> He just does well, and he's only $6,600. I have no idea who David Skins is, so that's a tough beat for me. I'll have to read up. I think Axis is, has a column on uh, FTN Daily about all these new guys. He's usually pretty on top of the Josh Perry is always on top of these guys as well because he bets corn fairy so often. So maybe go search out those guys, and I'll do some a deeper dive on these guys maybe for the newsletter tomorrow, or at least by next week. Joshua Creel is another one. But I'm going to play, like I said, Haggy, Mullenix, Hodges, and Kevin Tway all of a sudden, like, isn't bad anymore.
0: Kevin Tway is not bad anymore. The And he obviously he's won here before. He's plenty long off the tee. Uh, the only other guy is like, <laughs> you're going to hate all of these guys now. We've totally flipped the script. Um, Vaughn Taylor, 6,100 and 400 to one. He's gained over three strokes on approach in four of his last five starts. Can get super hot with the putter. One on POA before. I think he's mispriced at sixty one hundred dollars, and he should be five hundred dollars more expensive. But mispriced guys miss the cut all the time, so who knows? But Von Taylor at sixty one hundred was the guy, the only other guy that I that stuck out to me that I thought was worth mentioning.
1: I would say that Seifert. Is someone down here at $6,100 just with the way that he can drive the ball? It's been very, very good in his past few starts. Wasn't great at Wyndham, but before that, throughout the course of the back end of the season against weaker fields, he had been driving it really well. I don't know if I'm going to get there on him. I, cause the thing is, even if I play Rom, I don't have to go this low. Like, there's enough guys. Oh, Paul Bajon! Didn't realize he was even in the field. Oh, Asian-American sensation Kurt Kitayama is down here as well? Okay, we got some guys I can work with down here. Remember when Dave, Everyone was all over Davis Riley? That didn't uh, that didn't work out for people.
0: I get mixed up between Davis Davis Riley and Davis Thompson. Which one is the guy that started playing really well at Winged Foot and then it fell off? Is that Davis Thompson? One of them went to University of Georgia.
1: That's Davis Thompson. Davis Riley like oh, won a few okay. times on the Corn Ferry Tour. He just he puts the lights out when he gets really hot.
0: Okay, I'm thinking I'm thinking of a completely different guy then. Oh, okay.
1: Austin Smotherman's in the field. He's also Ken A. Jen. You got Dylon and Brandon. Woo! In the field, just play, maybe just play all the Woo's. J.J. Spawn's actually had some good runs at this event in the past.
0: Woo's good. I played high school golf against Woo. Wu. Woo's Woo's an absolute Stone Code killer. Which one? Um, so Br- Brandon Woo. Okay, Brandon, the one that went to he went to Stanford. He ended up going to Stanford. So maybe that's another thing. He played golf in the area. Woo um, Woo's Wu, really good. Um, is wait? So all of these guys are in the field this week, and Ekro couldn't get in.
1: I guess so. Do you have like a beef with
0: <laughs> I, the My whole thing with Ekro just goes back to the fact that my best friend from Oklahoma plays with him at, at uh, their course in Oklahoma. And Matt Wolf plays there too. And so there's all these like stories about how Ekro... Like holds the course record and always beats up on Matthew Wolf. That's the full extent of my knowledge with Ekroth. Is it's all just like offhand conjecture that he like dominates in this Oklahoma course.
1: So wait, when they finally play that course, let's play and Maybe <laughs> maybe try to get him to do something else as we go along. Right now, uh, as we try to use him on DraftKings for the PGA Tour. Yeah, I, I think Haggy, Mullenix, Tway, and Hodges are probably my favorite plays. If I have to go dumpster diving. Said Seaford. I, I want to see where Justin Sue actually comes in in the pricing because if he is this low, I'll play him because he's actually good. Who else? Driving wise, McCumber, Curtis Thompson, Sean O'Hare, and Seaford are the best, at least short term, in the field from the absolute jabronis down here. JJ Spawn, like, if here's an interesting one. Wyndham Clark is sixty four hundred dollars. Like there were times last year when I would play like Wyndham Clark in my high stakes single entry lineup at seventy one hundred dollars, and he was good.
0: Yeah, he hits it really far. Um, The I'm just pulling him up now, and it's not what you would like to see with the irons or off the tee, but. I think that there's, I think there's a universe here, Pat, as, as we talked about where a lot of these guys, like, if you, like, I'm just, I keep coming back to this quote from Cameron champ, where he was like, I literally just hit driver on every hole and was fine and just chipped it out from the rough and was fine. Like Wyndham Clark can do that. He's top 10 in this field in driving distance.
1: Well, essentially once he got out of California last year, he sucked, but in california last year he was quite good eighth at the genesis 36 in phoenix on the let's call it the west coast 36 in phoenix 32nd at the farmers 54th the amex 23rd at the, the rsm second in the swing season 13th at shriners missed the cut at this course a year ago like he does he's someone who like you talk about patrick rogers like wyndham clark has had like more success on the pga tour than patrick rogers has and they seem to be the same player
0: yeah, you're really dogging me on this Rodgers thing. Okay. That's, fa- I, I hear, I hear I, I, your I am, point I am, about I'm
1: taking out all my, pa- like, my years of people talking about, man, you know, he went, he was a great college player. It's like, yeah. Well, college was fucking a decade ago now. It's like you hear about your friend who was like, oh my God, he was so smart in high school. It's like, well, he's 35 now and he doesn't have a job. Maybe there's a problem.
0: <laughs> yeah. Patch, I think he's probably. I have you. How's he still? That's the thing. That's like he didn't qualify for the FedEx Cup play. I don't know. We're still talking about Patrick Rogers, but he's probably in that last kind of stretcher where it's it's do or die on the PGA Tour uh, or he's going to start getting replaced by all of these guys. Like, why is not I wish Ricky was playing this week, man.
1: Yeah, got to pile up those points for President's Cup next year to try to get back on the squad. I uh, did he, I assume he would have got a sponsor's infight, but I don't know if he actually like, could he get into this field? He's got to be in this field, right, if he wanted to be?
0: Well, I hope that he has playing privileges somewhere because I I drafted him in one of those fantasy golf leagues in like the last round just as a flyer, not knowing whether he... I, I've heard he has a PGA Tour card, uh, but I can't confirm that he'll... He wasn't selected uh, as a Ryder Cup assistant because I could see him like paying his own way to Wisconsin just to be there.
1: Yeah, maybe so. Maybe they, maybe NVC invited him to be a part of the broadcast because he's still incredibly popular. But yeah, he should. I think he does have his card because he or he gets into every event based on his past wins and just the amount of money he's made in his career that he can kind of play off that for a while. And it's not like there's a sponsor's exemption that's going to go by. It's like, well, I can take Austin Smotherman or Ricky Fowler. I think I'll invite Ricky Fowler to my tournament. That would be me, though, if I was the organizer.
0: Okay, totally makes sense. Well, yes, I wish I wish Ricky was in this field, but I think that. um I think that I've talked about every single player that I have anything on at this point.
1: Okay, so I, I have made two bets so far this week, and I've already think I've said what they are. Doug Gim, eighty to one, is where I got him at with the top five each way, and Taylor Pendrith, one hundred to one, with the top five each way. The issue here for me is that if I'm going to play Rom on DraftKings, it pretty much means I think that Rom is going to win but I'm not going to bet them at three to one. So I think my only recourse here is trying to take guys from down the board, maybe four. Actually, I bet Haggy at 200 to one as well. So Haggy, Pendrith, and Gim, and just hope to get lucky on a top five, or maybe they have the best putting week of their lives and just do what they normally do well. And you know, Rom forgets to show up for round three or something like that 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 would be those would be my outs this week so probably just like five absolute long shots hopefully one can place maybe i can get someone in a head-to-head or they're like up by two on one of the good players going into sunday and i'm like oh yeah i can hedge out on this no problem i think that's the strategy that i'm gonna take this week
0: well would you if you're high on rom would you consider uh like parlaying him with like an? no i'm not
1: yet you listen to jeff way too much like, how, how to lose your money 101, parlaying golfers with other things.
0: <laughs> okay. I thought I'd check. Uh, well, my bets, Pat, um, I have Reavy at 70, uh, Doug Gim at 90, Pat Perez at 95, Fratelli at 140, Patrick Rogers at 190, and Cam Percy at 220. So I have no one under 70 to 1 at this point.
1: Who else could I do from down here? Lee Hodges, who I mentioned... I could probably get, what's, what are Tway's numbers? No, Tway's only, somehow Tway's 175 to one. Okay. Danny Willett is 150 to one. You may have sold me on Fratelli a little bit here. I just think that, it, that it, especially at that price point in the betting market, that actually seems pretty steep for some of these other guys that are in that range.
0: Yeah. For te- okay. I'm like one for eight at this point now. That's good. Yeah. I love Fratelli here. He like totally jumped out to me because I, I just look at this course and it's like, if you can do one or two things well, there's a very easy roadmap for success for you. And it's like, does he hit the ball far? Yes. Are his wedges good? Yes. Is he's 140 to one, like with a win at the John Deere um, and a fifth at the British Open. Like, that's he that's fine. He's in play. All
1: right. I bet Swafford while we were talking too at 100 to 1. I should probably log out of this page or I'm going to lose all my money. Just I want to buy I <laughs> yeah. want a, I want a bunch in the FedEx Cup playoffs. And then I want a bunch on football last week. I don't want to give it all back yeah. right now. But I think that's pretty good. So Swafford, Haggy, Gim, Pendrith, maybe for Telly, I'll see what number I can find cuz I'm looking at a 110 right now. I got to find a better number on that. And I'll probably oh yeah, I'll bet Siwoo obviously, but I think that's going to be it for me unless someone really sells me on someone else. at super long odds. I was hoping Tway would be like 400 to one, but you know, the market's onto him. I guess he's a former winner here. So that's tough to, uh, t- to sneak by jog Augustine. And there's your boy Von Taylor. He's 400 to one Scott Brown, 500 to one. Oh boy. It gets tough quick down here.
0: Yeah. I I mean, it's, it's fun to, uh, look. And I mean, what better way is there to feel alive than uh, putting money on guys like Dylan Fortelli and Pat Perez and Doug Gim after a long day of football? Um, so, you know, we'll see what happens. I probably won't be watching a lot of this tournament. I would be surprised if it gets uh, one of the TVs, especially on, on Sunday uh, with it competing up against football. But if my guys are in the mix, I will definitely find a way to kind of be in tune with it. All
1: right. Andy Lack, where can people find you during this swing season? Where are you posting your content?
0: Um, So I, I write, Articles for Rotaball, I write articles for Golf WRX. I still have my podcast, which is every uh Sundays. I do a solo one. And then Tuesdays, I bring on a guest to do picks. I actually have um, your boy, Kenny Kim, coming on with me tomorrow morning to uh, talk more Fortunet if you want. But yeah, that's it. Follow me on Twitter at ADPLAC Sports and I post all my work to Twitter, so you can find the links to all that stuff there, too. All
1: right. You can follow me at the PMA. I got some Millie Maker tickets to be given away on Wednesday this week for football. You can play in the Listener's League as well. And check out runthesims.com if you want a discount for NFL season. The European Tour Picks and Bet Show with Sky and Tom is already out for the Dutch Open. So get your Dutch oven, you know, get out of there and go over, check out the European Tour Picks and bet show. And the Fantasy Golf Degenerates will be out on Monday evening as well with Kenny and Tambo back at it for the new season. So a ton of golf content still up on Mayo Media Network right now. Smash a like on the way out, sub to the newsletter, and enter that draw. You can find all of this information down in the description. Just click expand, and you'll see it all. Talk about injuries and the updates that we have going on right now. Jerry Judy has a an high ankle sprain. He will not miss the remainder of the season, but he's probably out at least four weeks. For a minimum, that's usually the context of a high ankle sprain. So I expect Tim Patrick to fill in for him as a starter with KJ Hamler complimenting Noah Fant in the slot. So it'd be Tim Patrick when we get to the rankings. He's going to be pretty high up there as a potential fill-in for the week. Odell Beckham obviously did not play with his knee injury, neither did Keelan Cole. Both are questionable for week two. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside missed the game, and Tyrell Williams left with a head injury as well. So both those guys are questionable for week two. Michael Gallup is out three to five weeks. Cedric Wilson, it has been said, will start in his place. At least that's what Kellen Moore is telling us. So I don't love Cedric Wilson unless it's like the deepest of leagues. But for a DraftKings play against the Chargers this week, not bad. Three to five weeks for that calf injury for Michael Gallup. Ryan Fitzpatrick has been placed on injured reserve, so he'll miss at least three weeks. Tyler Heineke will start in his place. I would expect Fitzpatrick to miss way more time than that. And It doesn't seem like Ron Rivera is too keen on bringing in Cam Newton, so it looks like we're going to roll with Tyler Heineke, and Kyle Allen as the backup in Washington for the moment. Raheem Mostert, no new news on him besides it's not an ACL. The MRI has not come back yet, so we don't have information on that. More on that in the running back pickup section. And Rashad Penny's calf injury that forced him to leave against Indianapolis is just minor. He'll probably be back. He wasn't doing anything anyway. Two carries for eight yards. Chris Carson is the guy in that backfield, as long as he doesn't put the ball on the ground or remains healthy, which are two things that are pretty difficult for Chris Carson. As long as he's running good, he should have had a bigger game against Indianapolis, just some bad luck around the goal line. But in terms of usage, in terms of yardage, in terms of the receiving game work. It was his. So Chris Carson looking really good going out for the rest of the year. Jared Wills for the Cleveland Browns offensive lineman just day to day. That's great news for them. Makai Becton his kneecap going to miss four to six weeks. So stream people against the Jets. I know you can't stream the Patriots. But they couldn't block with Becton in. Imagine what it's going to be like with Beckton out. And that was against Carolina. Pretty good pass rush with Carolina, but just stream against the Jets for the moment because it's going to be such a sack floor base once we get into their weaker opponents and guys that are actually available to stream on the waiver wire. And Lyle Collins is suspended five games for the Dallas Cowboys. Hopefully they get Zach Martin back this week from his positive COVID test. He should be back, so at least that helps out their offensive line a little bit. One of these days, all five of their offensive linemen are going to play together. They haven't played together since 2019 that you know it's coming maybe like five weeks from now when Collins returns everything will be okay with the Cowboys offensive line and they'll be at full strength the only other note is Josh Jacobs Uh, he has an illness he's questionable he's likely to play in Monday Night Football but if not it'll probably be Kenyon Drake back there maybe Royce Freeman will be the one who comes in to spell him um Listen, I always like if you play in a league, Yahoo is really the only one like this, but you can do the old running back trick where you just have the rotating spot at the end of your bench, pick up running back handcuffs in the primetime games just in case the starter gets hurt. Then you don't actually have to compete with anyone else on the waiver wire. You can go pick them up. So from the Baltimore side of the ball, obviously it's Latavius Murray. Tyson Williams expected to get the bulk of the workload in Monday Night Football. So you go pick up Lat Murray or you go pick up Roy. I mean, Kenyon Drake is probably owned, so you'd have to pick up Royce Freeman in that circumstance. It's probably, you know, if it happens once a year and you cash in, it's worth the three seconds that you have to do. You do have to waste a bench spot on that rotating guy, but that's not the end of the world. Are you really that concerned about the last guy on your bench, especially with no bye weeks going on right now? No is the answer to that. So it's just an extra 2% way to get a leg up on the competition. It breaks your way once you save all the fab money. You make sure you have that guy ahead of when waivers actually happen. And it only actually, in terms of league settings, Yahoo, I think is the only one where that applies to. I could be wrong about that, but I just know in my standard Yahoo settings, that is a trick that you can pull. You may as well take advantage of it. Running back... Waiver Wire for week one, I go Latavius Murray, Eli Mitchell, Tony Jones, Kenneth Gainwell, Leonard Fournette, that awful, Mark Ingram, Naheem Hines, James White, and Cord Daryl Patterson. So the reason I don't have Eli Mitchell at number one is, A, I don't know the extent of Colonel Mostert's injury. So... He could be back next week. I doubt he's going to be back next week, but he could be back next week. And then it's still Shanahan. Trey Sermon will probably be active next week. Jamichael Hasty might get some run. If you are convinced that Eli uh, Mossert's out for ages and Eli Mitchell is the guy, you could walk into a top 10 running back. I am not going to deny that. I just think that is on the very thin end of range of outcomes for him. I'm probably not going to end up with him in any of my leagues. I just don't feel like spending a top waiver priority or a bunch of fab bucks. Latavius Murray does seem like the logical player to me that you still want to go. Get Yes, Tyson Williams will get some extended run and be the lead ball carrier in Monday Night Football in week one. By week four, this could very well be Latavius's backfield. So it's a team that, like the 49ers, that excel in the running game, but we don't know who it's going to be. Plus, Mostert will eventually come back likely for the San Francisco 49ers with the Ravens. It's basically between Murray and Williams as the, the one a one B complement to Lamar Jackson in the running game. So you can just kind of backdoor your way into a running back, not a running back one for fantasy, like a mid tier to low end running back two with Latavius Murray with some touchdown upside. So that's the way I'd go. Tony Jones, I thought looks spry uh, and would be probably the for sure replacement for Alvin Kamara. Should anything happen to him? I wouldn't play him on a weekly basis, but he's a nice bench guy. Gainwell is going to get some run opposite Miles Sanders and Jalen Hurts. Again, he's not a guy you'd want to start, but his role could become very nice should anything happen to Miles Sanders. I like him a lot, and you can just have him on the team. Leonard Fournette, I mean, I don't want to own Leonard Fournette, but just based on the usage that he got in Week 1, that can always flip back to Ronald Jones in Week 2. Maybe Geo's a bit healthier in Week 2. Who knows going forward? Like, after this, it's all just a crapshoot of deep league guys. Mark Ingram I have at Number 6, and just frankly... He had 26 carries, couldn't even get to 100 yards. Yes, he scored a touchdown. He had 26 carries, a touchdown, and scored 14 fantasy points. That's not great. And how many times is Mark Ingram going to get 26 carries in a game for the Texans this year? They don't get to play Jacksonville every single week. So where are all these carries coming from? Uh, I'm just not buying it. Uh, If you have them, sell them to some moron in your league. Uh, Don't waste the money on Mark Ingram. That awful. Awful Mark Ingram. He's the worst. Hines, James White, Cordero Patterson. Moving on to wide receivers. This is where it gets a little bit interesting. I have Sterling Shepard at number one right now just the female familiarity with Daniel Jones Kenny Galladay listen he's going to be the number one but he is owned in every league I think that it puts him above Slayton I know Ingram was out but it does seem like there is a rapport there the safety with Sterling Shepard and the routes that he runs on the Giants and it looks like they're going to be throwing a lot this year so I like Sterling Shepard Jamison Crowder I have at number two he'll return from the COVID list this week it does seem like Zach Wilson favors I mean favors Corey Davis but he's going to favor the slot guy as well last week that It was Braxton Berrios. Jamison Crowder will play that role coming back. Yes, Elijah Moore will get better. He won't finish in the negative every single week, but Crowder is a good receiver when he is healthy. He has sure hands. He runs crisp routes, and that's just great for a rookie receiver, especially one that's going to have to throw a ton of the time with no offensive line, so he's going to have to throw it quickly, and those are the routes that Jamison Crowder runs. Tim Patrick at number three. You can pick up Tim Patrick number one if you need someone to play, like for the next four weeks or so. I do fully expect him to fill in for Judy in this spot, and Teddy B looking pretty good at Jacksonville this week, too. It's a pretty compelling start. Nelson Aguilar at number four. We kind of, you know, they spent all the money on him. And obviously, Nikhil Harry is out right now. But. I think we just forgot that they went out and spent the money on him, that they were going to use him. So I think that he's not going to be like an elite receiver in the Patriots offense, but he's someone that you consider starting every single week. That's usually worth of a bench spot. And for deeper leagues, KJ Osborne on the Vikings looked pretty good. Uh, Once he removed his dreads from the back of his name bar, I was like, who the fuck is 17? Oh, it's KJ Osborne. Then I have to look up who that is. But listen, if they're if the offensive line for the Vikings is just not going to be good, their defense is going to be this putrid every single week. Like if Cincinnati's posting points on you, and you got to play from behind. Yeah, it's gonna be Jefferson, it's gonna be Thielen, it's gonna be Dalvin Cook. But if they're not gonna be a great team and gonna be playing in some shootouts, there's always different options for deeper leagues to mine some value from players like this. I mentioned Cedric Wilson and even KJ Osborne for that matter. In normal leagues, like you probably don't need them. DraftKings-wise, they're gonna be cheap. It's pretty good. Christian Kirk and Terrace Marshall, I have on the list. Christian Kirk, I just don't think you're ever gonna know when to play him. He's gonna have these boom weeks like we saw in week one, and then he's gonna do nothing for like two weeks. That's just the Christian Kirk experience. Terrace Marshall. It was a bit concerning if you own Robbie Anderson. Three targets in that game and he did it all on one play. Thank God for the one play. Terrace Marshall was actually far more involved in the actual target share from Sam Darnold. So I think later on down the line as a stash, Terrace Marshall is looking pretty good. If We move to tight ends. Uh, going back to the Vikings, Tyler Conklin severely out Chris Herndon actually got involved. There's not like great guys you can pick up off the waiver wire at tight ends. or more like one-week streams, but it's a compelling matchup this week against Arizona, who historically have not been very good against a tight end, but you know, Kirk Cousins isn't going to have any time to throw in. Chandler Jones in is, is in his face with his offensive line that seemingly can't... They couldn't block the Bengals' defensive line. How are they gonna yeah, just even channel a modicum of respect to protect Kirk Cousins in this circumstance against Arizona who's just getting to the quarterback at the moment maybe I'm wrong but Tyler Conklin at least until Chris Herndon gets more integrated in this offense seems like he has a pretty safe floor Dalton Schultz with that Gallup injury I do think is a more compelling play than Blake Gerwin right now you're gonna have to get lucky that it's one of his games Adam Troutman ran at 82 played 82 percent of the snaps for the Saints yes it was Joanna man Johnson who caught the two touchdowns I have him at number four but he didn't really play all that often and maybe you're just trying to stream touchdowns, but that could end up in a big zero for you pretty quickly. I don't love and Don't love Johnson. Pharaoh Brown for deeper leagues with the Texans. Anthony Miller will return this week. That'll probably push Amendola to the side, maybe Nico Collins to the side. Obviously, Brendan Cooks is safe, but five targets for a tight end in an offense that you would think that probably has to throw most weeks. Pharaoh Brown was the leading target getter of the tight ends from Tyrod Taylor. So an interesting name to keep in deeper leagues. QB Streams. For the weeks, uh, I like Mac Jones against the Jets, just anyone going against the Jets right now, joiners out for the season, they have no pass rush to speak of, so it'd be a nice spot for Mac Jones to pad his numbers a little bit in New York Tower, Heineke against the Giants, I actually have Teddy Bridgewater at, I mean, you could play him at number one of all of these guys if you really wanted to at Jacksonville, it seems like a game where they can gash Jacksonville on the ground, just like the Texans did, but It also could be a circumstance like he had some great deep balls uh, on Sunday against the Giants. Just, you know, Hamler couldn't bring it down. So it was actually... Teddy played better than the numbers actually showed. He's also twenty-two and three against the spread on the road as a starter in the NFL. So Denver, let's go. They are bigger favorites this week, but they did, you know, have a pretty even split between Javante and Melvin Gordon. Melvin obviously broke off the big seventy-yard run, but I would expect to see a lot from those two guys. So I think there's a cap ceiling on Teddy Bridgewater, even if the floor is really nice. Then Jameis Winston against Carolina, it's tough to know what to do. Yeah, five touchdowns every week. Hey, yeah, just play Jameis Winston, but. Didn't really throw the ball all that much because they didn't have to. But when they did get in close, they did throw it. So it's a tricky circumstance because they're favorites over Carolina right now on the road. Could that swing back the other way? Are they going to go deep into the receiving game? Do they not trust their receivers? I think there's something a little bit fishy, uh, especially when you throw five touchdowns for under 200 yards in a game. But, yeah, you know, obviously, Jameis is upside. We know what that is. Streaming D's for the week. I got New Orleans at Carolina. A lot of people did not use them last week and left them on the waiver wire because they were playing Green Bay. Now you can go get them because it turns out that Carolina also can't block. And now they're down another offensive lineman, Cleveland against Houston. Uh, Again, almost like New Orleans, Cleveland was left alone on the week one pickups because they were playing Kansas City and you probably didn't want to play them. You want to play them against Houston, Arizona uh, at home against Minnesota and that lack of offensive line Then I said, Chicago against Cincinnati. Not that I think the Chicago's defense is great, but the Vikings were able to generate a ton of pressure on Joe Burrow. We know that their offensive line is absolute garbage. So you might be able to backdoor your way into some free sacks and maybe in more competitive leagues, those three defenses are already owned. Then you have, the Bears who could be looking good maybe even the Bengals as well as they were able to get into the backfield as well and hopefully you get some turnover luck with all the pressure that's generated from those two teams that was the updated waiver wire and injury report you can check out my full rankings I'll update them again on Tuesday if any information changes up on DKNation.com you can find the link in the description smash the like on the way out remember to tune in to fantasy football picks and bets and stuff to that show as well and help support it on Mayo Media Network I have my show out from Sunday night recapping the week plus there was Monday night football picks with Griffin Swanson, then Lauren Carpenter and Laquan Jones had their own recap from Fantasy Side Up on Mayo Media Network right now. Thank you all for watching. I'll see you next time.